issues with authority that's why we're here right now we ready jose all right welcome to wild and free a battleborn podcast we have a very excellent episode today this is jacob i'm here joined with the largest crew we've ever had in the studio in the den of descent i've got of course my co-host allison hello we've got fakisha and jessica and robert and marla all from the clark county public defender's office welcome guys good morning hello thank you for having us so excited to have you all today. We've got a lot of different things we're going to talk about. Um, so we're just going to get get right into it. And uh, so if you all want to kind of tell us a little bit about, first off, what the Public Defender's Office does, because I think we probably don't, not everybody that listens to this, this podcast is going to know exactly what is a public defender. It's a very big name. Um, so if you want to start off with that and feel free to... to you know, th- throw it around as you will. So what do, what do public defenders do here in Clark County? Uh, well, basically what we do is we defend the poor. So when you're in jail, you have no money, you have no way to get out. Uh, we try to help you out if you've gotten yourself in a bad situation, uh, some bad facts, maybe committed a crime. We try to minimize the punishment and get you back home to your family. That's what we do. Excellent. So gladiators in suits. Yes. Right, yes. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So you're, you're the ones that are that are putting in the work for the people that cannot afford attorneys here in Clark County. Now, do you work just with criminal cases or civil as well, just so our listeners are aware? Strictly criminal. Trick, strictly criminal. Excellent. So the, the one thing I'd add also in terms of, you said civil versus criminal. Fakisha's totally right. We only do criminal cases. But one of the weird things about, we're going to talk about civil rights a little bit today. Right. Uh, civil rights when it comes to the right to remain silent, uh, the Fourth Amendment right and protection against search and seizures, we are the people protecting those rights. Right. So one case at a time, one defendant at a time, one client at a time, we protect the civil rights of Clark County. Excellent. Which is awesome. Which is very exciting. Um, we're very happy to have you all here. Um, particularly because we found you because you contacted us. Um, you all listened to the podcast. So thank you all for that. Um, so really, we're going to have multiple episodes with you all. So today we really want to focus on knowing your rights. Um, so hopefully everyone that's listening knows that we do have some constitutionally protected rights, things that we all have the right to. Um, but if you all want to talk a little bit about what it is that we have the right to, particularly when it comes to what you all deal with as public defenders. What, how does that? How does that play out? Right, and well, and just to add on to that, like when you're stopped, questioned, arrested, right. or when law enforcement confronts you either in your car or your house, what are your what are your civil liberties? So I think everyone knows about the First Amendment. You have the right to freedom of speech. You have the right to you know uh, press. Um, but I think that oftentimes people skip over the Fourth Amendment, which is the right to be protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. So that means your person, that means your home, and that means your car. So a police officer just can't walk into your house and say, hey, you've got some illegal stuff in here. We're just going to search through it and then we're going to take you to jail. No, 
the Fourth Amendment essentially says that they need to have some sort of probable cause or they need to have a reason to come into your home or come into your car or search your person. Um, and with the Fourth Amendment, that means that they need to, again, have a warrant or they, get, they again, need to have probable cause. They need to know that there's some sort of crime afoot or they need to know that there's something illegal happening. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is about knowing your rights and knowing that when you are stopped, either walking on the street or when you are stopped in your car, that you do have a right to say, one, uh, why are you stopping me? Am I free to leave? Mm. You need to know whether or not you're able to leave or whether or not this is going to be prolonged. Second thing is that you need to say, I do not consent to searches. Because one thing that the police officer can do and they can say is that, oh, this person gave me the right to search their pockets or this person gave me the right to search their car or their house. And oftentimes people get confused about, you know, if an officer asks me to search my person, I'm just going to say yes because they're going to do it anyway. It's not about stopping them from searching you. It's about protecting your civil liberties in the future. It's a delayed gratification when your rights are being infringed upon. And then the last thing that we're going to emphasize and talk about is saying that you want your attorney. Play the silent game. After you say that, just say, I want to speak to my lawyer, and that's it. Don't get into any sort of conversation with the police officer about what happened. Don't say, you know, oh, I just had this or, oh, I didn't know that. Just say, I want to speak to my lawyer and then be quiet. That's right. it. And I have one caveat to what uh, Jessica just said, which is all of those great rights that she just described and how you're protected in your safe spaces and your house and your home does not apply to you whatsoever when you're on probation. It is one of the rights that you lose. Mm. You lose the right to that privacy. They can come into your house. They can come to your work. They can go in your car. They can search it. They can search your phone. They can search your computers. So part of our job is preventing people from being subject to that sort of scrutiny because we all assume that we have those rights, but part of the criminal justice system is taking away that right to privacy. Can I ask here in Nevada what type of law enforcement agencies people can come across? So, I mean, I think when you're talking about the law enforcement agencies, you have obviously Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, the Henderson Police Department, all of the local police departments, North Las Vegas. Um, But you also have to realize that you potentially could come in contact with the federal agents, federal FBI, or ICE officers as well, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So those are the types of officers that you're likely to encounter, at least that out on the street and out and about that could potentially come to your home or, I guess, Highway Patrol. I was forget about the the one most of us encounter, (laughs) no matter Highway Patrol. So, yeah, those are the types of officers that can end up showing up at your door or potentially stopping you. Well, and, and, and question on that. I work downtown, so I see the marshals a lot. So what are what are the mar- what do the marshals do? Because I, I'm never really quite sure, um, particularly because I see them near where I park every day. Um, so what 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 are the marshals? What are what is their jurisdiction? Uh, the the marshals are essentially uh, court officers. Okay. Okay. And and so their jurisdiction. Uh, so their jurisdiction ends up being uh, a little awkward or fluid. Okay. Uh, they have jurisdiction over the courthouse. If you mm-hmm. step foot in the courthouse, those are the officers you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a warrant, 
if you missed a court date, if okay. a judge has issued an arrest warrant for you, the marshals are now in play as well. Um, okay. when, a, when a court issues some type of order that you should be arrested, that's where the marshals have authority to go out and essentially pick you up. Um, so I also, working in downtown Las Vegas, see the right. Las Vegas city marshals uh, driving around town a lot, right. often talking to uh, uh, people on the street, and uh, I assume they are checking for warrants, because otherwise I'm not sure why the marshals are interacting with, uh, with people on the street. Okay. So talking about uh, interacting with law enforcement, if you are stopped or detained, um, and after we can actually talk about the difference between being detained and arrested, but when you are uh, stopped by law enforcement, do you have to answer any questions? What information are you uh, do you have to provide to them? You are required to give your name and your date of birth if asked. Um, and if you are um, if you are in the country with some sort of status like lawful permanent resident or on a visa, you are actually required under the immigration laws to have your papers with you. Um, you should carry them with you at all times, especially if you're over 18, because you are required to provide that. Now, of course, if you're undocumented, you're going to need to do the same thing as all citizens do. You need to provide your name and date of birth, and that's it. Um, as far as, you know, just depending on how the interaction goes further, but as far as information you have to give, those are the two things that you have to give. The, the one thing I'd add is building on what Jessica said about um, the, the interaction with with officers. There's the conversation. Let's put it this way. What, police officers are not interacting with you for their enjoyment. They are working. If they're interacting with you, they have some suspicion mm-hmm. that something is going on. Understand that up front because there's two things happening in that conversation. The human psychology of it, uh, maybe, um, you know, American citizen or, or the uh, way people uh, in this country tend to act is I can just explain what's going on. OK, it's a kind of kind of human instinct. But when you're interacting with an officer, it's not a conversation. It's not a conversation with a friend. It's not a conversation with a coworker who's upset. It's a conversation with someone that has the lawful authority to take your liberty away if for a short period. And they're not interacting with you for fun. So it's where the legal, it's where essentially the idea of legal rights comes together with casual conversation. The instinct may be to just say why you're there, what's going on, um, how your day was, and, and answer any questions the officer has so that you can go on your way. And you have nothing to hide. And you have nothing to hide. Good idea. Uh, and the the but what's happening behind the scenes? What's happening in that conversation is the officer is working through his investigation, and you're potentially surrendering your rights every time you answer a question. That's why I think what Marla said is really important. There's a very limited amount of things you need to answer. Beyond that, generally you should stay quiet. And I'll tell you, uh, one of the problems that not only I've experienced when I've been stopped by the police, but clients experience, and just as humans we experience when we're not dealing with the police, is that we are people pleasers, right? Mm -hmm. We want everybody to have a positive, generally, we want people to have a a positive (laughs) experience. Uh, You want things to be friendly and casual. And so you, you assert that with your boss, your family, your friends. It is a whole nother matter when dealing with the police. It is an investigation. That's why they're involved in that conversation. And so if you start from the principle that I am being investigated for something, it could be as simple as I didn't use my 
blinker to turn or something substantially more serious. If you start from the position that I'm under investigation and I cannot talk my way out of this, if you come from the position that I could lose my freedom at the end of this encounter, I think it sort of changes the dynamic and how that means some people consider the police that they're afraid of them. It's a danger. Um, I wouldn't go as far as that, but I would say that... um, being cautious would be wise. Mm. Watching, watching your words would be even wiser. And part of that cautiousness, if you don't want to talk to the police, is asking to speak to an attorney. Uh, well, I think we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Um, that's debatable of whether or not that's going to help you. Asking to speak to an attorney really only helps you for custodial interrogations. It's a legal term. That means when they're actually questioning you and you're in custody. There's a lot of things that happen outside of that. Uh, The one thing that I want everyone listening to take from this whole uh, interview this morning is there's only one question you need to ask the police when they're asking you questions. And that question is, am I free to leave? Mm -hmm. Because when you get the answer to that question, it sort of tells you where you're at. If you are free to leave, then you can choose to answer the questions or not. You can choose to be friendly or however you want to handle the situation. But if you are not free to leave, that should change your perspective and what you choose to say to the police from that point on. So can you explain the difference between uh, being detained and being arrested? (laughs) So essentially, we'll, we'll set up a hypothetical. Say you are walking down the street. Police officers can do what's a reasonable suspicion shot or suspicion stop. Uh, you can just say, oh, I'm just walking back and forth, you know, in front of the same store. But if there's a police officer across the street, they're like, hey, uh, you look like you're casing the joint. You look like you're you're trying to steal something or you look like you're you're seeing how the security moves. An officer can come up to you and they can stop you. They, they detain you, meaning that you are standing in your own person. You don't have any handcuffs on and they're just asking you questions. At that point, you're being detained. You are then supposed to ask, am I free to leave? And an officer will tell you, uh, well, you know, I'm just asking you a couple questions. Okay. Am I free to leave? <laughs> um, because that's not typically, an, that's not an answer. That's not saying whether or not you can go or whether or not you can stay. Because if they say, yes, you can leave, then you just go about your merry way. You leave and you go home or wherever you're going. Um, if they continue to talk to you and they say, no, you're not free to leave. At that point, you're being detained. If the conversation is going south or it's going in a way in which you're not typically assuming and they're asking, hey, you know, you've been walking past the store. You know, there have been a lot of uh, robberies and a lot of burglaries in the area. Um, You may not look like someone um, who we're looking at specifically like a suspect, but we just need to ask you a couple of questions, you know. That's when you have to be weary and say, you know, I would actually like to speak with my attorney. If at that point they're like, okay, well, we're going to put you in handcuffs and we're going to arrest you because we need to look at your information and we need to check out your name and we need to see any warrants, you have been arrested and your rights are kicking in. Your Fourth Amendment rights have kicked in. I know um, we briefly spoke about the First Amendment, but also your Fifth Amendment rights have kicked in, meaning that if you're under arrest, they need to Mirandize you. And you've all seen it from TV shows. You know, you have the right to remain Mm -hmm. silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. And whatever you say from that point on 
you know, whether or not you're answering their questions or whether or not you're just making spontaneous utterances. Like, I just have drugs in my pocket. <laughs> Can and will be used against Which you. Which I go around muttering all the time. Yeah, you know, sometimes people get nervous. <laughs> so, um, but that's essentially the difference. You know, it's really about like the physical aspect of it. When you're arrested, you know that your hands are tied, literally. So think of it that way. But, but before you think about it that way, be very aware that the source of your question, uh, what is detention, what is arrest, what is a stop, there are literally hundreds of years of history and case law trying to figure just that out. Right. So, so it's very easy to be in a nice, uh, soft room to discuss these things theoretically, yeah. but the practical impact is when you ask the question, am I free to leave? That means something to police officers. That means that you know your rights. You know that at the point where you say, where they say you are not free to leave, that this has up the stakes as far as the law is concerned. Mm-hmm. They have to have certain proof. They have to be able to articulate that proof at that very instant, which is why that question is the most important one. Not only for you to process the situation and what you think is a casual encounter is actually a police investigation and uh, trying to juxtapose that with I'm having a friendly communication or I'm trying to help solve a crime that happened in my community. Um, Those sorts of situations can turn into an investigation of the person that they're speaking to and possible arrest. So at the point where you don't feel comfortable with the questions or you don't feel comfortable with the situation, the question is, am I free to leave? Because that tells you whether this is a voluntary encounter that I can walk away from or I'm not walking away and we need to have a different type of conversation. And I also want to make sure that we point out that even if you believe you should not be detained, that the officer doesn't have legitimate reasons that this encounter shouldn't happen, the fact of the matter is he's armed. He has the authority to detain you. He So at that point, even if your rights are being violated, the important thing is is that you assert them. You assert them calmly. And if you're put under arrest, even if you believe you're wrong for being arrested, at this point you need to submit. It doesn't mean that you consent. You don't consent to searches. You don't say, yes, it's okay that you do these things. It doesn't mean you start speaking to them and spilling your guts. But at the end of the day, we can't try to assert your rights later down the line. Um, say that what happened was wrong if you're not alive to do so. Or mm-hmm. you escalate the encounter and cause other issues. So the big thing is, is at that point, you just calmly submit to the authority that is before you um, and remain quiet and then just make sure that you're calmly asserting your rights, that you don't want to speak, that you want a lawyer, um, and then and, and sort of end the encounter that way. But you need to you need to submit. I mean, we're trying to keep you safe and it, there's the reality and there's the reality of the rights or of what's happening. And there's a the, you know, the theoretical of what your rights are when those two things clash. The fact of the matter is like that the guy's putting you, putting the hands on you has the firearm. And so we need to listen at that point. So, so that brings up a, a, an interesting conversation because we are talking to hypotheticals here, but we all know from watching the news and reading the paper that oftentimes there are individuals who who may or may not have submitted, but there's still a negative outcome. So we can think about a a hundred different cases where someone has been shot or they have been killed um, in encounters with police. So, so how would you recommend it? And unfortunately it's, it's usually people of color who are in those situations. So what would you recommend to someone who is a person of color, who is interacting with the police um, knowing that obviously we can't predict what that situation is going to be like, but 
Um, unfortunately, that's something that's happening in our world today where, where those individuals are more likely to be handled with violence than, say, a white person like myself. Well, I have a, a, a few tips. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually completed the Citizens Police Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you here local in Las Vegas, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's free. And you actually get a, a mini training on what the police are trained about. Okay. So as far as any relationship, right, you want to be comfortable. You want the other person to be comfortable, especially mm-hmm. when the other person has a gun. Right. It usually helps for everybody to be comfortable. So um, the officers, first and foremost, just like everybody else, want to get home. And so their number one concern is their personal safety as well as the safety of the community. And one of the thing that they are trained to watch are your hands. So it's very important that when you first have that encounter, when you're first, uh, when you just get pulled over or when you're approached on the street, that your hands are visible to the officers Mm -hmm. because they consider any kind of reach toward the waistband, any sort of reach, they call it a furtive movement, right? Which is a a, a great fancy word for meaning any movement, okay? (laughs) Anything can be described as furtive, Um, but they want to see your hands. So as long as you are hopefully remaining calm at the same time, but showing your hands to the officer, they really should have no concern for the personal safety. They see your hands, they see you don't have a weapon, they see your hands, they know that you are compliant, at least as far as physical aggression toward them. And so uh, the first thing you can do is always sort of maintain that eye contact, maintain, like, I am not going to be a problem for you. I actually Mm -hmm. got pulled over by the police a little while ago. And I said, first of all, why are you pulling me over? Because I didn't understand that. I said, I'm not trying to cause you any problems. I truly don't understand why you pulled me over. He explained why he pulled me over. At the same time, I have my hands as an attorney outside of the window showing him that, you know, no, I'm, I'm not trying to cause you problems. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on, but I am not a danger to you. And I think that especially in Las Vegas, when the officers walk into some extraordinarily dangerous situations Mm -hmm. uh, because of our mental health problems, because of our drug addiction problems. I mean, they don't know what they're walking into. So as much as you can do to calm them down helps, helps the situation. And I I think the thing I'd add to that is you, you right now we're having a conversation about how to stay safe, right? The conversation about, is this okay that citizens are treated this way? Is it okay that people in Clark County uh, have to take care of themselves and protect themselves this way? It's an important conversation. That's a conversation for activism. That's a conversation for the Clark County Commission. That's a conversation for the Las Vegas City Council. It's not a conversation to have one-on-one with an armed officer Mm. who's concerned about your danger to him because it leads to a dangerous situation. Right. So I think Fakisha's given some great advice. I'd take it back to even a more simple idea. Body language is something that we spend a lot of time studying. It's something officers spend a lot of time studying. Confrontation is very easy for attorneys. They're trained to deal with confrontation situations. For most human beings, the instinct is to cross your arms in front of your chest when you're dealing with confrontation. Mm-hmm. To essentially close your body space, protect your body. That is a danger posture for a police officer. They're also trained to watch body language. Mm -hmm. So if there's a thought before all of this advice, it's you've got to find a calm space for yourself. Take a deep breath. Center yourself. You are going to have to be the calm person. You are going to have to be the responsible person. Right or wrong, 
whether this is acceptable advice or not. We want you to go home. We want you to be alive. We want you to assert your rights another day. And that's the beginning conversation we're having here. Mm. Take that deep breath and keep your tone mellow with your hands visible. They don't necessarily have to be up, but visible to the officer so that we can have this conversation later on. And then the other things that we'd add, um, especially in a frightening situation like this, uh, don't physically resist an officer. Um, that can be difficult as things get ramped up. And another charge. But it will also be another criminal charge. It also likely will increase the violence. And then the last thing is don't run. Mm. Yeah. And this applies to the passengers as well. I know we're talking to people who are in the driver's seat, but just know that oftentimes there are officers that ride in pairs. So there's someone who's coming to the driver's side with their flashlight, someone on the passenger side with their flashlight, and their high beams are in your car. So it's really about like everyone in the car needs to remain calm. As angry as you probably are, you're like, why am I being pulled over? It's because I'm driving because I'm black, which I've been mm. pulled over several times uh, for that reason. Or, you know, is it a taillight or is it a, you know, registration issue? I don't know. Speeding, whatever they come up with. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is about safety. It is about you getting home to your family, to your friends, to your destination. And it's honestly an, an uncomfortable feeling. You know, I've, I've been on the side of, okay, I'm trying to defend clients, you know, from these violations and been the person in the driver's seat, like, right. oh, wow, you know, it doesn't matter that I have this law degree, like it, to an officer, it's like, okay, well, we're going to pull you over anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and just remember the end goal is, are you getting home? So something really interesting, when we uh, first met to prep for this interview, Marla brought up a very interesting point about uh, white people, white allies, right, asserting their rights. Because sometimes you have cases of people of color that assert their rights and things go to hell and you kind of put put, uh, white people to task and said white people need to assert their rights as well because when law enforcement find that everybody is, a, is speaking up for themselves and advocating for themselves when they do encounter a brown or black person that speaks up for themselves probably you know that encounter they're used to people asserting themselves and as a white person that is very fearful of law enforcement that comes from uh, generations of in Mexico interacting with police and the police there usually are very they're corrupt and they're very violent so I'm very much of like just I bow my head and each time I leave this country and I can come back I feel I'm going to be denied entry and all these like crazy things but um, after you mentioned that I was like you know I, I do need to step up I do need to you know assert my rights and that way it'll just it'll become customary and it's not something that you have to be woke or aggressive you won't be these pe- people will not be perceived as being aggressive i think that it's um really really important not to understate how difficult that is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as an attorney mm-hmm. years of training practicing criminal defense amongst other things even i want to answer their questions mm-hmm. Even right. though I right. know, I just want to get it done. I have somewhere to do, you know, I have somewhere to go. I have things to do. It takes an active thought for me to like, just don't placate. Just don't mm-hmm. play along. And that is, even for me, I know better. Right. <laughs> I know better. But it is very <laughs> difficult to be assertive in your rights. And do not forget that the police are also trained. Mm-hmm. They know that if you ask the question, am I free to leave? 
and they don't answer you, well, I just have a few questions. You haven't effectively asserted your right. Right. It is a very distinctive statement. I can't say it enough. Am I free to leave? If they say, well, I only have a few questions, you have to be strong enough to say, my question was, am I free to leave? Well, uh, well, I just need to, you know, verify A, B, and C. So once again, I'm not free to leave. You know, just like trained. they are just as trained as not answering that question as people are, are not trained to ask that question and insist on an answer because that changes the dynamic. It is the legal basis to change the dynamic. And it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is not easy. You really have to be firm. But I really do like, I really like the fact that Fahisha brought up that question that Am I free to leave? Because I think it's a question that you can ask in a way. We also have to remember about tone. When we're asserting our rights, we can't even, we, we're not to be doing it like aggressively, like fighting the officers. When you insist on an answer, it's really just about repeating it and making it clear to the officer that um, I'm not going, we're not proceeding in this conversation further without you answering my question, but without projecting any attitude. The tone exactly. matters. I mean, we want right. to think about how, how do we speak to our grandmothers, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the same tone, and hopefully you speak kindly to your grandmother. Right. But assuming that, <laughs> that's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. However, you speak to someone you actually have respect and care for, because I think that's some of the conversation is that I think when you have two individuals like this fear of the parties, and I think a lot of times why when we when I brought up that issue about white privilege about this being sort of an advocate is that issue is that it's that cordial conversation that I think people can have. And I Mm -hmm. think it's why the accommodating is a way we go to, because it's not going to make anyone mad. It's hard to ask somebody, I don't, I don't want to, it's hard to say something. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I mean, how many of us get caught in conversations at grocery stores we don't want to be involved in? Because it's hard to tell someone, I want to tell them. Now someone who's in uniform has stopped you. You're not sure why you've been stopped. That changes the game. But I do think, to go back to the point that if you haven't, if you really haven't done anything wrong, still assert your rights. Right. Because because that's, if we don't start doing it, if we don't start making it the norm, then they're not, they're not going to believe it's the norm. I've had conversations with friends that are officers who talk about initiating stops that they barely have justification for because they're after consent. Mm-hmm. And they said there are plenty of times they will approach a car. But when someone says those magic words of, am I free to leave? They are aware this individual is aware of their rights, that this is going to be a much, I'm not going to get over, not going to get the consent. I'm not going to get these things. And so they do leave. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that's not going to be everyone's case. But I, I do think we need to start being more assertive, especially people who, you, when you really don't have anything <laughs> to hide, you still need to be asserting your rights because it's not about whether or not you have something to hide or not. It's about the right to be not be searched, the right not to have to talk to officers when you haven't done anything wrong. So we really need to be trying to do that. And I think this am I free to leave question gives you a way to do it in mm-hmm. a manner that's not aggressive. It's not a tune. You're literally asking the officer, am I allowed to do these things? But just you do have to insist on the answer. So my question is, is there an instance where you you, sh- you can't ask that question or shouldn't? So say... No. Cause, okay. Okay. Because I, I know, like, I've been stopped at it's Las Vegas DUI checkpoints all the time. And I feel like when I run into those, I'm always like, I get super nervous. Even if I've not had a drop to drink, That's I get the purpose super of nervous. Them. Okay. That's the okay. purpose of them. I mean, the reason why officers have lights 
and sirens is because they are trying to signal to you their authority. Right. When you have a DUI stop, you know, not only if some police departments are really smart, not only are they flagging people going straight, they actually have cars on either side street because the response of moving from that checkpoint to try to divert, even maybe it's traffic or whatever your reason is, is considered, once again, that magic phrase, reasonable and articulable mm. suspicion. They didn't want to go through, so they went to the side. That means there's a problem. See how fungible that is? Yeah. So yeah. everything can be swung one way or another. It's just a matter of the perspective. Well, if you're looking at things from the officer's perspective, the officer's perspective is there is crime everywhere. Right. All I have to do is look hard enough or talk to the right person and I run up on a crime. Or these people look suspicious. <laughs> and suspicious right. is whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it is, it really, I mean, you can have two people look at the situation too. And this isn't like outside of the police force. You could have two separate police officers look at a situation. One says, eh, you know, this is on the fence or I don't have time for this. I have okay. more serious crimes to get to. And the other says, no, this is my priority now. This is what I'm going to investigate. And all of that is within their authority. I mean, the idea that uh, there's not enough crime to prosecute is ridiculous. Everybody agrees <laughs> with that, right? Right. So there's all sorts of crime. And what is a priority to the officer is what is the priority to the officer. So one of these things that we've been talking about, about uh, maintaining a positive attitude, not giving attitude to the officer, talk to them like your, your grandmother. That is the benefit of the doubt that you're trying to squeeze into. The, I'm not your priority, right? Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you're talking to that officer nicely and they realize that you're not in immediate danger, you're not an immediate threat, I got other stuff to do. As long as that attitude and the officer is reasonable and, and, and a large number of them are, uh, they're going to let you go because they got other problems. Mm -hmm. But if you give them a problem, and problem is also a relative term, yeah. uh, if you give them a problem or there's something afoot or maybe they don't like your attitude, all of us have had those encounters where uh, the nature of the relationship changes dramatically very quickly based on right. attitude. So. Right. But I also think, and I don't think we've touched on this just yet, is that they have to have a reason to stop you. So if you're on a bike, make sure you have the flashing light in the front that can mm. go 500 feet. Uh, because officers will say, excuse me, uh, I stopped you because you don't have that light on. Mm. And then that's when they start asking you questions. Or you're driving in your car and your back tail light is out. Oh, excuse me, I've pulled you over because this is a safety hazard. Your back tail light is out. You were doing five miles per hour over the speed limit. You changed without your signal. These are all reasons for them to stop you, which are legitimate reasons as, you know, seen in the Nevada Revised Statute or whatever laws that we've created on the books. And that typically gets you to the question of, am I free to leave? So they can write in their report, oh, I've stopped this person for a legitimate reason. You know, say you don't exert your right to say, am I free to leave? And then, and I've seen this more times than not, clients will allow them to search their person or their car. So if they'll say, can I, you know, can I search your car? And they'll say, yes. And when I ask them, like, why did you tell the officer yes? It's like, well, they were going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the point that we're trying to get at. We know they're going to do it anyway. They will find some reason. But because we're starting to move in the way of uh, active policing with body cameras, we can then see, you know, my client said no. 
And as soon as they said, no, I do not consent to this, whether they are on a bike, whether they are walking, and jaywalking is also a big thing, mm. um, or they were in a car and their tail lights out, they didn't consent. So whatever they find, if they do find anything, needs to be suppressed. And that's, you know, on the back end. And unfortunately, it may result in, you know, folks getting arrested or it may result in folks, uh, you know, interacting with the police in such a negative way. But we're then just getting back to you need to assert your rights. I also want to make sure to make it clear when you're pulled over in your car, there's a few more things you have to do. There are questions you have to answer. So the I'm afraid to leave is not your First thing. Okay, okay, good. I'm going to say it was going to be license and registration. You are privileged. Okay, so hopefully you have a valid driver's license. Hopefully you have the registration and the insurance. But you you are required to hand those things over. So that's just something to be aware of that the free-to-leave conversation doesn't happen at that point. You have to have those things handed over. I just want to make sure as we were kind of getting into the cars and stops that there's a few, there's a little bit longer conversation that happens under those circumstances. And I want, I want the conversation to continue free flowing, but maybe at the end we should do a summary of stopped on the street, stopped in a car, taken to the police station, ice specific. Maybe those like, let's let's keep talking, but let's come maybe do a summary at the end. Okay. Well, that, that's a good point about um, citizenship. So as you mentioned at the beginning, you guys are public defenders. You assist people with their criminal cases before the court. Um, what happens if someone is undocumented and is going through the criminal process? Um, we don't want to uh, d- dive too much into that. Um, we'll probably be putting out an episode that has to do with crimmigration. But what, what, what? If someone is undocumented, should they communicate this to their public defenders? What can you guys do to explain what the uh, immigration implications and are? That that's very important, I, and only to your um, criminal attorney and or your immigration attorney. It's really important because a lot of times when you go, if you are actually, let's say we've gotten past the process, you've given your name and your date of birth, you've said nothing to the officer about your status, but for whatever reason you end up under arrest, you're going to be brought into the, we'll say the Clark County Detention Center, but there's other detention centers. There are officers there that are charged with the duty of asking additional questions potentially about your alienage, about where you are from, and whether you're not a citizen. You still want to assert your rights at that point. At that point, no, I'm. I am pleading the fifth. I do not want to speak. I don't want to speak to you. I'm going to remain silent. I'm going to. You don't want to tell them that you are not from here. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't have to answer that question. Here's my name and my date of birth. You do not have to. You do not have to say where you were born. You do not have to. You don't have to give that information. They inquire themselves, but you do need to make sure that your immigration or your immigration, your criminal attorney knows that we know your status because it's going to factor into how we help process the case, how we figure out it, how we're going to get you out, if we're going to be able to get you out, and how we negotiate the case. So it's important that your criminal attorney knows all of the information. You should feel comfortable with your criminal attorney and tell them everything. <laughs> Believe me, you can head off a lot of problems. If I had just known that, we can take care of it this way. And so uh, I have to say that there's some flexibility with, the, with what we can do with cases. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes there's not. But... The more information you give your attorney who is listening to what you have to say, mm-hmm. the better your outcome is going to be for your particular situation in your life. And I think that's a – oh, go oh I was just going to say uh, towards the question of uh, Im- when asked immigration questions, mm-hmm. w- you know, when we talk about these larger ideas, sometimes it's helpful to have a script. Uh, and so in terms of a script, uh, officer asks, what's your uh, name and date of birth? Okay, my name is this, my date of birth is this. Where were you born? 
Thank you for asking. Uh, I choose to remain silent. Um, are you in this country lawfully? Thank you for asking, sir. Uh, I choose to remain silent. Oh, man. Uh, right. I apologize for being sexist. Uh, um, you know, are you, uh, you know, inappropriate phrasing, but are you an illegal alien? Oh, thank you for asking, ma'am. Uh, I choose to remain silent. Um, that's what when we say tone and, and um, uh, maintaining calmness but asserting your rights, that's essentially a script. If anyone wants to deal with your immigration status, so having a simple script like that, even writing it down and putting it in your wallet, putting it in your phone, it is helpful to have that with you. But don't reach for it unless right. you told the officer <laughs> that you're reaching for it. Yeah. So, and I think it's a good point, Marla and Fakisha, you both bring up. Um, so I know from friends who are immigrants, the police are, police and attorneys are often looked at differently in different countries. So what one of your clients shares with you is just with you, correct? Absolutely. So they're, it is private and privileged in this country that if they share with you, that is just between the two of you, correct? I mean, it is really important to know that you can tell me things and your mom can call and ask me questions. I will not even answer the question that I am your attorney in some cases okay. unless you've given me permission. I have spoken to clients who will show me as a mom and I will ask specifically, what details or information do you want me to provide to that person out there? Because if, if I do not have your authorization to convey information, I am not allowed to. That's, I mean, that's just the simple fact of the matter. And Unless it's a matter of public... Public record. I, I don't even return phone calls until okay. my clients yeah. give it me. I mean, surprisingly, sometimes our clients have very complicated personal relationships. Yeah. They might have multiple <laughs> mothers of children mm. and they don't know about each other. Mm. So just saying, hey, I'm the girlfriend of so-and-so, that really doesn't give me the information that I need to know because I have had some clients where, oh, I'm his girlfriend. Oh, here's another name. I'm his girlfriend. And so I'm like, oh, what do, what can I talk to? Do you want me to talk to either? I mean, those are the conversations that you want to have. And uh, like I said, all of these attorneys, my awesome attorneys, uh, are, are of the caliber that they develop the relationships where people have that sort of comfort to say, right. oh, I, I have some dirty laundry here. Mm -hmm. I have some other things that might be popping up. But those are the frank kind of conversations we need to have mm -hmm. in order to protect you as best we can. Again, it Great. goes back to trust, trusting trust. your attorney. Yeah. Um, I can tell you working a lot with people from Latin America, particularly Mexico, and um, you guys work for the county. You work for the government. The prosecutors also work for the government. And sometimes from Latin America, people think that that is one and the same. So I will see cases where people don't trust their public defenders because they're like, these people are working for the government. And so why would I trust them? It's America too. <laughs> I have a lot of clients who are like, you're paid, you know, by the government and you work with the prosecutor. And I'm like, um, no, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, we try to, you know, Marla said, like we try to either resolve your case or, you know, get to a resolution or even just take it to trial. And, you know, I am in an office with like not down drag out, like fighters, like everyone. Um, and so part of it is developing the trust and letting our clients know, like, no, what you tell us is confidential. This is not something that we share with the prosecutors. It's not something that we share with the judges unless it's particularly relevant. Um, and it's oftentimes not something we even share on the record. So we'll ask to approach judges so that this is not something that even people in the audience will know. Um, and again, you know, our clients, 
like when clients finally develop that trust, they're like, okay, like I can be honest. I can say these things. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. Um, and then it creates that relationship where I can just say, hey, you know what? That's not going to work. The judge is not mm-hmm. going to believe, you know, that you just found X on the street. Um, right. Or, you know, just like when we're talking about defenses, like, okay, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. And these are the reasons why. Um, and, you know, just to say, like, it's not just our our Latin American clients. There's a severe distrust um, for public defenders because of either past experiences, tangential experiences, whether it be, you know, their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters. And our job is, you know, multifold. It's like, okay, we want to protect your rights. We want to preserve your rights. We want to gain your trust. We want to make sure that we are working, you know, on behalf of you. Um, and it's just kind of like a working relationship every day. I, I think I'd add in, in terms of, you know, all of us, people don't become public defenders without a certain amount of altruism or seeing the job as a type of mission or something they're called to do. Uh, but some of my clients don't necessarily believe in that idea. They want to know me personally, what's my interest? Do I get more money? Do I get more power if I sell them out? And the answer in Clark County, at least, is uh, there is no more power or money to be had by selling you out. I do not work in the same office as a district attorney. In fact, if I were to sell a client out, I would not be allowed to be an attorney in Nevada. I would probably have my license taken away nationwide. And so there's very strong danger that if I betray my client, that I'll never be an attorney again. Mm-hmm. So I guess just to wrap up our, what I'll call Viva Our Rights episode, um, can we go then uh, through that little bullet list that you that you were talking about, Robert? Sure. Different instances where we should speak up and assert our rights. Kishi, you want to do Stopped on the Street? Oh, uh, Stopped on the Street. Yes. Uh, if you're stopped on the street, uh, as with everything, stay calm. Once again, Ask if you're free to leave and, and understand that the Supreme Court has said that they can stop anybody. And I'm using air quotes since we're recorded <laughs> for a casual encounter. OK, no. that, that there's no probable cause needed. There's no uh, reasonable articulable suspicion needed. Instead, because we are all members of the community, the police can always approach us. So if the police walk up to you and they want your name, they want they want this information. Uh, stay calm. Don't mm-hmm. please do not run. That never ends up well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, show them your hands, as always, and ask them. Am I free to leave? Mm-hmm. Like they want your name, their information. They have to have reasonable or articulable suspicion if right. it's not a casual encounter. Now the question becomes who determines whether or not it's a casual encounter. Once again, go back to your magic question. Am I free to leave? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if they say no? And if you say no, then I, I'm invoking my right to remain silent. I put my hands up in front of me or behind my back, I turn around and I allow them to arrest me because I know there is no law, no court that's going to uphold that because they don't have a reasonable and articulable suspicion. But on the street corner is not the place to have that constitutional conversation. It is to uh, make sure that you get home safe uh, and, and to make sure that you're not divulging information that you're not trying to. Believe me, third final point that you, that you need to remember at the point that the handcuffs are on you, 
it's it's game over. <laughs> they don't have talk, you. Right? Don't 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 talk. Don't talk at all. There's nothing. And I know. I mean, I I'm a people pleaser. I like to pe- please right. people. You want to just say the right thing. It's done. <laughs> there is no right thing to say that's going to let you back out of that situation. So now you go to the doctor's method of first do no harm. Right. Do okay. not admit to things. Don't put yourself in situations. Don't try to acknowledge the the facts. Or, 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 not, or deny them because that's considered obstruction if you're lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very hard place to be. But if you're on that street corner and, and the police are talking to you and they say that you are not free to leave, then it's time that we stop our conversation. <laughs> it's time that we stop all of our conversation. I'm asserting my right to remain silent. You can produce a, a lawyer. And that is it. Mm-hmm. And understand that they are trained to try to get around that. Oh, no. We're just trying to find out what happened here. Oh no, we just had this report. We just need to clear you. We need to, and they are going to try to placate you to get to you to talk. Um, and they don't even have to ask you questions. There was a Miranda uh, question earlier. If they are not actively questioning you, they do not have to read you your Miranda rights. I have so many clients that are riding in the back of the police cars after the corner encounter didn't go well. And uh, they're just telling them the story. Well, this is what's happened. This is how I met this girl. This is how I got this car. This is how all of that's being recorded and all of it's being used against you because no one's asking you questions. Miranda does not protect you. So be like a turnip. Shut it down. Just do not speak. (laughs) And if the officer says, I understand that you want to remain quiet, can I just check your pockets real quick? I've invoked my right to silence. You've already said that I'm under arrest. I do not consent to search. Oh, is your body cam on? I want to make sure it's recorded. I do not consent to search. All right. Uh, I think the second situation is that we talked about is being stopped in a car. Right. All right. So you're driving along and you get pulled over. You're like, all right, sir and or ma'am, the license and registration. Uh, Make sure that you keep your hands visible or at least at 10 and 2 out the window um, for our melanated listeners, you know, make sure you seem to be the most friendly person in the world. Uh, provide your name, your driver's license, your registration. Um, police will typically do a search. They'll come back, maybe give it back to you. Um, if they start saying, you know, uh, like, I've stopped you for speeding. There's been a lot of crime in this particular area. We're concerned with the safety. Do you think... I, I could search your car. Uh, your honor, not your honor. Um, I, I'm like, flashbacks to court. Uh, officer, am I free to leave? Okay, well, you know, again, like I said, we've got some folks in the neighborhood and we're really concerned. I understand that, officer. Thank you very much. However, am I free to leave? Okay, they say, no, we're just doing some searches. Okay, uh, do you think we can search your car? You know what? I'm actually not comfortable with that. I do not consent to searches. Now, if they then go throughout your car, they say, hey, step out. We need you to, you know, like we we feel some sort of way. We're going to put you in front of our mm. cruiser. I'm just going to put the handcuffs on you just in case. At that point, <laughs> you should know you're probably under arrest. Mm. So anything you say after that, you should say, you know what? I want my attorney. If they're going through your car, you said you did not consent to searches and you're sitting there and you're fuming, your face is red, it's hot, you're angry. Find the place of Zen because at the end of the rainbow, there's some 
public defender at 309 South 3rd Street <laughs> who's going to read this police report and they're going to look at this body camera and they're going to say, you know what? My client did not consent to that search. We look, we, may, we might have to suppress some things if they do find anything. Um, and if you are taken in the back of that cruiser, you just say, and they ask you questions, say, you know what? I, I will not answer any questions. I would like to speak to my attorney and then play the quiet game. Just think about all the things that you want to do when you're released. Think about how you're going to get them back because you said, I didn't consent. And my attorney is going to write some motions for me. Um, But just remember, always say, am I free to leave? Let them know that you do not consent to the search. Because one of the things that I read in police reports is that my client has consented. And when I ask them, did you actually consent? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's terrible. (laughs) Um, Because I do understand you think that if you consent, they will protect your rights or they will not go through your things or they will go through your things and find it and they were going to find it anyway. That's not the point we're trying to make. What we're trying to make is that you have these rights and they protect you. Although they don't protect you on the front end, they do protect you on the back end. Mm -hmm. And if you're at the point where you're in handcuffs in the back of a cruiser and they're trying to ask you questions and they've already read you your Miranda rights, say, I would like to speak to my attorney and then don't say anything else. Remain your sense of Zen and again, talk to them like they're your, your grandma. Also just, and I realize a lot of people don't have attorneys. Mm-hmm. You just, I don't want to speak to you without an attorney if that, because I know it seems weird to like assert your right to an attorney you don't have. So you're, once you are under arrest at that point, you're, you. yeah, yeah, that's, we, we, you are entitled to a court appointed counsel. And so at that point, just make sure that you are staying quiet and that you are asserting your right to have an attorney. Like I need to speak to an attorney before I answer any more questions and then just be quiet I can't say it more in court that the easiest way to exercise your right to remain silent is to remain silent. I mean, yes, you need to assert it, but then just be quiet. But Marla, if I'm an officer and I tell you that you can go home if you just answer these two questions, what would you say? I would just stay quiet. Just at this point, you are already in handcuffs. There, An officer to just uncuff you and take you out and go home is just not likely to happen just at this point wait until you get there it'll get sorted out i realize it's uncomfortable trust me i I told my son once when he was 10 i was like if they put you in there and they ask for you you need to assert your right to remain silent you need to ask for your mom and your attorney and he's like well what if they say they're gonna i what if they say they're gonna take me to jail if i don't answer the question and i and i said so what i'll get there and he you know of course he blurted out i'm telling them everything they want that's exactly what they're hoping for exactly so don't do that. You need, once you're at that point, you need to assert your right to remain silent. You need to assert your right to an attorney and then just be quiet. And also get the officer's name and badge number, no? Would that not be wise? Well, Do we not want to? Well, I mean, relatively, everything's reported. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you're going to you're gonna find the officer. I mean, their name is attached to every single thing in your police mm-hmm. report. I mean, sometimes if you have a multi-officer arrest, like, you'll see, you think people do really bad things because you'll see a gas station, there's eight police cars around a right. single truck. Uh, but every one of those officers are noted. Understand that every record is supposed to be contained with their P numbers. Uh, a lot of people are like, give me your badge number. It's like, well, we're a little past that. You know, this is the 21st century. Almost all of that's recorded uh, unless there's really some some dirty deeds going on. I, I really don't have a problem 
finding the officer either through the discovery process or or reports that's not really that's not the battleground i i think now and so for the last scenario so you are either a documented or undocumented immigrant and get stopped what is what do you say in those circumstances so it's going to be very similar to being stopped i mean and generally speaking i don't think metro or them are going to actually ask for your papers okay. um, under those circumstances i think it's highly unlikely the at, on the street corner right. like show me your papers is not really it's not really their jurisdiction so right. they don't particularly care so it's going to be a somewhat similar stop uh, you have to give your name you have to give your date of birth, and then you'll ask if you're free to leave. Obviously, if it becomes custodial at any point, it's the same thing. You're going to assert your right to remain silent. If you end up back at the station, then someone there, an ICE officer, is probably more likely where it is actually their jurisdiction to start trying to investigate whether or not your status. They're going to try to ask you some other questions about you know, where you were born or what your legal status is. Now, technically, people who are lawful permanent residents or here on visas are required under the immigration laws to have those papers with them and to show them when they're asked for them and so those would go so obviously if you're undocumented you don't have status or your visa has expired at that point you're going to want to just assert your right to remain silent i think Mm -hmm. rob gave great on the script i know it's hard well how do i do that just uh no thank you (laughs) (laughs) my son does it all the time he thinks it's hilarious no thank you when you ask him something he doesn't want to answer Uh, no thank you um is probably the easiest way to do it in a polite manner and I know that everyone thinks, well, then that's telling them that I'm not a citizen, but that doesn't establish anything. And so I don't want to answer the question. Um, Do not lie. I think we did forget to mention this. Do not lie. Do not be silent, but don't lie. And especially if you're undocumented, do not assert that you're a United States citizen. That could end everything for you down in the future. Just don't lie. Remain silent. That's, you know. It's a good piece of advice, for sure. Yes. That's another charge. (laughs) That's another charge. And that's a federal charge. Yes. Both. Both. Okay, wonderful. All right. Well, just to conclude, I wanted to see, um, we wanted to try out a new thing with you guys, a lightning round of questions related to uh, greater uh, Southern Nevada. So craft beer or craft cocktails? Akeisha says craft cocktails. Craft cocktails. Cocktails. Beer. Alrighty. Downtown Las Vegas or Chinatown for food? Ooh, Chinatown. <laughs> Chinatown. Chinatown. Downtown. Yay! Oh, and last question, uh, damages or the good wife? Oh, damages. Uh-huh. Glenn Close, right? Yes. Am I right? Every day. I've only yeah. seen the good wife. Damages. I've only seen The Good Wife. <laughs> Christine Baranski and her accessories are pretty fantastic. <laughs> yes. So should we go old school then with law shows? Oh. Then? So should we say yeah. law and order versus... Uh, the practice. The practice. Oh, there we go. Okay, day, so the practice. The practice. Or Allie McBeal. Oh, oh yeah. wow. that's not a law show. Just like Boston Legal, it's <laughs> right. not a law show. Because oh, I was going to say Boston Legal, but that's it is a buddy comedy. not a law so show. That's, that's what true, that show is. True, true, uh, true, true, true. I know it's lightning round, but just to be clear, the practice is a realistic law show. Law and Order is a fake show. <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody wow. think that prosecutors and police are their best friends and never make mistakes. That is true. But yeah. I do love Law and Order. I am obsessed. <laughs> but I do agree. Trying to make it look like it's hard for the state to do their job has got to be the funniest thing 
I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, only yeah. special victims. Yeah, I was oh, going to oh. say, there's three. <laughs> Criminal intent is there's really three. good. Vincent no. D'Onofrio oh, is for sure. a genius. I only know Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was taken over by the aliens. Yeah, you know the bugs. Who, he yeah. was in Full Metal Jacket. That too, That's him, but yeah. Men in Black is my, right. my frame of reference. Can I, uh, long, yeah, I don't know if there's more lightning round questions, but just in case there's editing potential down the road, I just want to throw in one <laughs> shout out. Uh, we want to thank the ACLU of Southern Nevada, or the ACLU of Nevada, yes. um, for providing a Know Your Rights handout in both English and Spanish, which uh, oh, great. we're going to provide to the podcast, and hopefully you guys can post for folks who are mm-hmm. interested. Oh yeah, yeah we definitely sure. will. For yeah. sure. Awesome. Well, thank you again, you guys, uh, for coming on the podcast and the excellent work that you do so out good, in the yeah. community that we know for a fact extends beyond criminal defense. Yeah. Uh, can I throw in one little extra bone? Please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Fakisha Miller, and I guess I'd like to publicly announce that I'll be running for district court judge next year oh. after 17 years of practice in criminal offense in Tennessee and Nevada. Uh, I think it's time for some change. So uh, that'll be coming in 2020. Oh, that's very exciting. Right. This is the first for the podcast. Yeah. We've never had anybody wow. declare their candidacy. This yeah. is exciting. Who needs Mayor Pete when you have Fakisha? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It didn't even require six months of stumping around. Yeah. <laughs> also, awesome. our office is putting on a warrant question event on May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you down Excellent. at the Regional Justice Center <laughs> at 200 Lewis Avenue. Uh, last time I checked, I believe we have 800 people who have registered. Whoa. And you do need to pre-register. And you do need to pre-register. Okay. However, if the registration is closed, I'm not sure what the online link is looking like, there will still be uh, different organizations there that will help you get a driver's license. They will help you with housing. They will help you with all of the social services. So even if you can't get a warrant quashed, there will be attorneys there. There will be judges there that will help you either in the future or that day quash your warrant, but then also help you with the resources that you need. That's awesome. And you can find more information on that event on our Facebook, Clark County Public Defender's Office, uh, our LinkedIn, or our Twitter. Oh, wow. That may be the first time LinkedIn was referenced on the podcast. (laughs) It's the first today. It's nice to know someone references it. (laughs) (laughs) Are y'all on social media so people can follow you? Yes. You mm-hmm. can follow me on Twitter at Jessica N. Smith. Excellent. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Abogado Roberto. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I am not on okay. social media. As, <laughs> I'm on Twitter as Desert Rain. Rain as in R-E-S-I-G-N. All righty. Oh. And the Public Defender's Office also has a Twitter. You guys are funny. At Sin City Defender, uh, big fans of Golden Knights, uh, also yes. uh, civil rights and uh, all things criminal defense, which is all fantastic. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us today on Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. And as always, uh, we are joined in the studio by Jose Sotelo, who is our amazing producer and composer of theme music got Ashley Pacheco, who is our research assistant and fact checker. We have Berta Gutierrez, who is our creative director and artist. And then, of course, we've got Allison Yanez, my amazing co-wrangler. And the podcast wizard, Jacob Murdoch. Yes, that's a new name for today. And, of course, snoring on the floor <laughs> is Raven, the dog in the den of descent, who is, who is worn out today. We have, we have definitely provided her lots of entertainment. We did indeed. All right. right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Giddy up. Thank Thank you. Thank you.